0: Greetings from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, it's an honor to be with you tonight at Grace Baptist Church. I'd like to thank Pastor White for extending the invitation. It is a privilege to to be with you. I know that we attempted to physically be with you last year, and we even uh, attempted to call back and, and, and try to make uh, things work and, and so on, and, and change dates and so on, but we were not able to because of the current uh, situation, as I'm sure you're aware. But it is a, a blessing and a privilege to have this uh, opportunity and honor. I do want to extend that. Thank you. Look at uh, Psalms chapter 78, and we'll, we'll look at uh, a portion of Scripture today and uh, what the Lord's put on my heart. <clears throat> Psalms chapter 78, verse 38 and as you're turning there, think of the Lord and, and, and what he did for you on and, and Calvary's cross. Think of the Lord when he was at the, we call it the Lord's Supper. And it says in one of the Gospels, Gospel John, that he looked upon them and loved them. He's looking around this room and he sees Judas and he loved him. He sees Peter who's going to deny him and he loved him. He sees the disciples who would be scattered away and he loved them. Why did he love them? He loved them. Because for I can't explain why he loved them, but he had compassion upon them and showed such love for them and for you. Look at Psalms chapter 78, verse number 38, it says, But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not, yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. Well, the beginning of that verse, it says again, being full of compassion, full of compassion. We think of compassion and we, you might think, oh, that's pity. But pity and compassion are not the same. They're different. They're along the same line, but they're different. Pity is how you feel. I mean, your, your neighbor's dog or cat, they get run over and you're, oh, that's, that's sad. And you feel bad for them. That's, that's pity. Compassion is different. It is... A passion or affection for someone in distress. You go over to the girl or the boy who lost their animal and you you might give them, oh, here's a toy to play with, and, uh, and you try to console them and comfort them and you check up on them. It's different. Compassion is a passion or affection for someone in distress, even when they're enemies or have the attribute of being an enemy, that's enmity. Pity is just the feeling, feeling bad about a situation. That's a, oh, I feel bad about that. No. It's different. Compassion is going beyond that feeling, coming alongside and suffering with another individual <clears throat> by intentionally putting yourself with them. It is of compassion with, it is passion with someone. In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, it says, Finally... Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So they're along the same line, but they're different. There's compassion and there's pity in that verse. So they're closely related. I want to talk to you tonight about uh, fullness of compassion, being full of compassion. Why don't we pray? And we'll continue on from there after that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity again to be here and to serve you. And it's a privilege to be with Grace Baptist Church. And we know that this is a a rather uh, strange time. We pray, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts and challenge us this this night and um, uh, work on our hearts to be strengthened and drawn more to you and drawn more to your work. I pray you'd hide me behind your cross that you would be seen and not Dave Muckle and help me to say what needs to be said and not say what does not need to be said. And uh, again, we ask for your help and these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Fullness of compassion. Fullness of compassion. God, he was full of compassion. We read in uh, Uh, psalms chapter 78 verse 3 he was full of compassion he's demonstrated that compassion to the nation of israel over and over again i think of uh, luke chapter 15 and you don't have to turn there for sake of time we won't turn to all of these references but luke chapter 15 when you see the 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 father who had his the prodigal son and the prodigal son had gone away the prodigal son he had he said, give me my substance, give me the stuff that you're going to give me when you die, old man. I want that stuff and I want it now. And he went to the far country. He didn't want to be at home on the homestead and, and be told how to live and told when to get up. Oh, I got to get up at 5 and tend to the field and tend to the hens and tend to the everything that needs to be to the sheep and the oxen. I don't want to get up every morning at 5 or 4 in the morning and do all those things. I don't want to have to be involved in constantly memorizing and praying and doing all these things. I want to go with my friends to the world. Give me this stuff. And he got this stuff. The Father gave it to him and he went to the far country. He got himself a flock and he brought his buddies in, and they had money, and they were having themselves a time. They got all of the latest technologies. They can make a flat screen or a projector or whatever it is that you have, and hi-fi or whatever the next... Uh, thing that the the next best thing for sound and they have that they have the best internet they have computers that have 3d graphics and all the rest of it so they can stay up all night playing video games they aren't redeeming the time because the days are over they're just having a time and partying and wasting their substance and his friends are there and the, the 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 son The prodigal son, he says, uh, money's getting tight. You guys are going to have to start chipping in. And they said, no, we don't. We don't have to chip in. We don't care. And they just, he spends all his substance and he finds out he's got no friends. He ends up having to work on a farm again, but not just, not a farm with sheep and oxen and, and grain and so on. A farm with hogs was a bad situation for a Jewish boy. He, uh goes to the boss and says, I need some more income. I can't even afford a place to stay. The boss says, you can live in the barn. You can live with the animals. And he's like, okay. Uh, He can't do anything about it. He lives in the barn with the animals. And he's got hay over him at night and the rat's with him too. hear the squealing of the pigs and all the rest of it. And he's in that situation. He says, boss, I need some more uh, money. I can't afford food. And he says, the hogs have food, share it with them. And he eats the hog food. And he comes to his senses and he says, my father's servants. I'm a servant for this guy and I'm barely making it. I can't survive. But my father's servants are well taken care of. I need to go back to him. I wonder about that father I wonder about him I, I wonder what he was thinking when his boy said give me the stuff I'm leaving I'm going my own way I don't want you I don't want your rules I don't want I don't want to be in your home I don't want to work the farm I don't want any of this I wonder what he thought I wonder what he would have felt me I'm a father now and I, I can kind of relate to that I think that would hurt I think as he the father watches the son leave and he maybe it's over a hill and he's going down the path and I, I see if he sees this. The father is looking at that going, this is not a good situation. I, I wish you wouldn't do this. I, I, wa- I want him to come back. I-, I-, I wonder if he come out the next morning and uh, maybe he came to his senses. Maybe he's coming back and he's looking and he's, he can't see his son. At night he's like, I wonder. He sits by the phone. I wonder if he's going to phone me tonight. I wonder if he'll be in contact. Will he text me? Will he, will, he, will he send me a text and say, hey, Dad, I was wrong. I'm coming home. Uh, will he message me? Will he do any of these things? The next day, he gets out, and he, he looks, and it's the sun's coming up. He's done the chores, and, but there's no sun coming. And then one day, he gets up, and he's looking, and he's on the porch, and it's around, I don't know, he's having dinner, and he's eating his food, and he sees this figure, this pale figure coming at us. Strange, pale figure, very bad clothing, no shoes on, sores all over him, horse flies buzzing around. Doesn't know who this guy is. It's a stranger. And he sees this person coming, and he's like, well, that looks like my son, but my son wasn't malnutritioned. My son had clothing. I gave him enough money. He should have been well taken care of. He could have found a pretty decent job and uh, things would have been good. That can't be my son. And as he comes closer and closer, the father realizes this is his son. And the Bible says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. It says, his father had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You stop and think about that. That, that. That son would have been in a very bad vile state. he would have smelled he would have had sores he would have had, and, and the father comes and says, it doesn't matter that you're this way it doesn't matter uh, all of these things we can we can fix all of those things you've come home and he grabs him he's got compassion on him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him the bible says to have compassion point number one you must first look upon the need you must first look upon the need. Pharaoh's daughter with Moses. Well, Moses, he was put in this ark. His, his mother put him in that thing. She put pitch and slime in it. Now she's laying her baby down into that thing and probably sobbing in it. She puts him down and the, the pitch and the slime is running a little bit, gets on the baby and she's trying to wipe it off. And it's all sticky and gross. And so, oh my baby, I can't do this. And the father's the husband's like, we've got to do something. They're going to throw him into the Nile. We put him in the Nile this way. He might survive. She puts them in and she co- covers them up and so on. They put them in the brink. Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter comes and there he is. The bull rushes and the, the brink of the Nile. She sees him and, wow, what is this thing? She sees this thing. And says, oh, that's different. She sees it. And then she goes and attends. She gets her maids to attend to it. And it's a baby. It's a baby. And the baby is crying. She doesn't know what to do. And one of the maids says, it might be hungry. And she says, well, we can't help with that. And then all of a sudden Moses' sister shows up and says, hey, oh, a baby. Wow, wow. that's a wonderful thing. I love babies. Oh, he's crying. I wonder if he's hungry. I know someone who might be able to help with that need. None of that would have happened if Pharaoh's daughter said, hey, we're here. We're we're supposed to do, uh, we're here to do whatever they were doing, laundry or whatever they were going to be doing. And she didn't actually see what was going on that she would have not been able to act upon that compassion. To have compassion, you must look upon the need. Fullness of compassion demands that we look. Jesus Christ looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion in Matthew chapter 9. To have compassion, you must look upon the need. For me and you to have compassion, number two, point number two, you must leverage. That means you must act in an influential way upon the need. You must leverage that need. Pharaoh's daughter, she could have seen the, the ark, seen that basket, and yeah, that's something, and then she could have just gone on her day, gone on her business, not even cared about it. But no, she was there, she was in a situation where she could act upon it, and she acted upon it. She had skill, she had opportunity, she had place, and she did something about it. For us to have fullness of compassion, we can't just see something and then not do do something about it. We can't just see this world and see where they're going and see the the, the harm and the hurt and the anger and the temper and the fierceness of, of men that's going on and not have some compassion to tell them about the loving Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To have compassion, you must leverage, you must act in an influential way upon the need. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says, Whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? jesus christ again he looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion and then he did something about it now we say we're baptists we get out there we do street preaching we do uh, scripture distribution tract distribution we do scripture signing we uh We, we send out Bibles, we mail Bibles, we do mail ministry, we do all of these different things and Baptists are very good at trying to figure out different ways of getting the Gospel out. I know that some churches are learning the technological curve to try to get the Gospel out that way and we're learning those things and we use it and that's a good thing to do all of that. <clears throat> but the Bible talks about having a temporal need and then meeting that temporal need to get to the spiritual need. If you look at Jesus Christ and his ministry, he ministered to their temporal need and then related it to a spiritual truth, all to get them the gospel, all to get them to understand that they need more than just that meal on the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, A sower went to sow and he gives that parable and he tells them everything that's going on with there and the seed and so on and he explains all that thing. They understand that temporal thing and that temporal need and that temporal way of living and he relates it to the truth of his word. So Baptists are very good at getting out the gospel and all of these needs but it might be taboo but I've heard many different Baptists say, well, we don't we don't we don't do the clothing bank or the food bank and we don't do those things. Our thing is the parade. We we do the parade and our thing is printing Bibles and getting scripture printed and we send them out to other churches that distribute them. And our thing, our thing is street preaching, and we do a lot of street preaching. Our thing is scripture science. All of those things are good, but if you don't meet the temporal need, people are like, oh and they'll brush you off. <clears throat> of a a brother uh, down south and uh, what they did there was a marathon going on and so they did street preaching but what they did is they had all this water that they were just giving to the people as they run by and they give them the water and there's a gospel track take to it and there's street preaching and stuff going on at the same time meet the temporal need give the gospel with the 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 covid situation at christmas time we we tried to reach out into our community. We couldn't really do much, but there was a food hamper. So we gave all kinds of food, and we taped gospel tracts to the tin cans and the uh, uh, fish, or you know, cans of ham and chicken, the Campbell soup. And instead of saying a chicken noodle soup, it said, "How can you be sure that when you die you go to heaven?" Well, I thought this was chicken soup. And they take that off, and they can read that track. You say, "Well, they will probably just throw it out. Maybe, maybe they read it and got saved." Well, there's the temporal need. Here, have the soup. And while you're having the soup, read this. <clears throat> we need fullness of compassion. To have fullness of compassion, you must look upon the need. Many a believer, many a Christian, they don't want to look. They want to just go about their life and not look. If you have looked, say, yeah, that's a need. No, no, no. You need to leverage. You need to act upon that need, not just know that there's a need. Point number three, to have compassion, you must live in that need. Matthew chapter 18, we will turn there, but keep your hand in Psalms. Matthew chapter 18, the gospel of Matthew. Chapter 18, verse number 21. Verse number 21, uh, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 70. But lot, the Lord is really long-suffering when it comes to forgiveness and compassion and so on. Much more than we are. Verse number 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like, <coughs> likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, he was, he, he was, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of the fellow servants, which owed him a 100 pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou woest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, <clears throat> but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, fellow servant saw what was done, they were very sorry. And came and told unto their lord all that was done. Then his then his lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, <clears throat> "O thou wicked servant! I forgave thee all the debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also had have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I pity on thee, had pity on thee?" And his lord was wroth and delivered him. To the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. <clears throat> I find this interest this, this this portion of scripture so interesting, whereas somebody had the somebody acted upon compassion. This Lord acted upon. Upon compassion. And that servant could have said, I have received compassion. I need to give compassion to my fellow servant who owes me money. Instead, he didn't. He did the opposite. He ignored the plea of his fellow servant. He ignored the need. He, He saw the need. He ignored the need. He saw that he had it within his ability. He was in the right position. He had the right... Uh, skill, the right opportunity to act, to leverage that compassion on that fellow servant, but instead he said nothing doing and he showed no compassion and that Lord said oh, I, I had compassion on, my, on on you why didn't you have compassion on your fellow servant and then all of a sudden it goes from compassion to pity, that Lord is like I didn't have compassion on you it was just pity it goes down the pity comes and goes based on your feeling. Compassion stays with you. It changed in that Lord. I, I can't help but wonder how many believers are out there and they've received compassion from the Lord Jesus Christ. They've trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They can go, Hallelujah, I'm going to heaven but then they get busy in work and they get busy in life and they see everything going around them and they have they want this and they want this and they want this and they want this and they they have no time for the lord and they have no time to get out the gospel and they have no time to tell people of christ or give out a gospel tract or uh, help in a missions program they have no time for any of that because they're busy in their life and heaven is secure. They, they, they've got that. I know that you can't lose your salvation, but I wonder in their time of need, when they cry out to God and they say, Lord, Lord, I'm having trouble right now. This is a difficult and bad situation. I need your help. And the Lord looks down and said, I had compassion on you, but you didn't have compassion on that person and that person and that person and that person. You didn't live in the same compassion that I gave you. Yeah, I, yeah you're saved, yeah. But I don't have compassion for you right now. I, just, I have pity because you didn't keep me as part of your life. And you didn't live in the life, the newness of life that I gave you and tell others of me. The mission that's in the commission, you missed it. And I have just pity for you now. Fullness of compassion. Fullness of Compassion. To have compassion, you must live in the need. To have compassion, you must look upon the need. To have compassion, you must act, you must leverage your skills and talents and abilities upon that need. <clears throat> fourthly, fourthly, I see to have compassion, you must let go, let go of your preconceived mindset upon that need. Look, Look back at at, at, at Psalms chapter 78, verse number 38. It says here, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. It says, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity. He forgave it. He forgave it. You know, you cannot have compassion that will make a difference in other people's lives if you are harboring ill from your past, from a past situation, from a past event, from a past relationship, whether it be before you got saved or after you have newness of life in Jesus Christ, if you're holding on to that situation and you come and say, oh, "That's I don't need to get the, that situation fixed. I'm fine. Leave me alone. Okay, and The next time you go to witness to someone, what if their situation is very closely related to your situation and you haven't gotten it dealt with and you're going to have a mindset that is affected by your past and you're going to put your mindset into that situation. It's going to affect getting the gospel to them because you didn't get proper forgiveness or you didn't give proper forgiveness. Not just, you might need to forgive an individual, you might forgive a certain situation, but what if it's, if you, if you did the wrong, and you have regret over it, you need to also forgive yourself. I've noticed that some believers have a hard time forgiving themselves. If we confess our sins, Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our <coughs> and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is. If he will forgive you, if he will forgive me, why is it that we take our sin and we lay it down at the cross and then we get back up and we put it back on and then we get on going? <clears throat> no, we need to leave it there. We need to, if he'll forgive you, you also need to forgive you and go forward for Jesus Christ. Otherwise, your mindset is going to be having preconceived notions and notations of the things going on around you that may affect your ability to give out the gospel, may affect your ability to have compassion on this lost and dying world. We've been looking at fullness of compassion, fullness of compassion. I, you, we need to look upon the need. It's easy to look upon it and then say, uh, today I'm not looking, I'm, I'm turning a blind eye. No, you need to look upon the need. We need to see what the real need is. Then we need to leverage our skills, our talents that God has given us, so they're not really ours, they're his, upon that need. If it's you're there, you have an opportunity. If it's you are able to meet that need, say someone's, hungry and you're able to give them a meal and give them the gospel tract and witness to them leverage that opportunity use that opportunity have some compassion on that individual. be full of compassion for that individual because they need Christ to be full of compassion you must live in the need you received compassion deliver some compassion it's real it's a living thing you must live in the need to have compassion. You must let go of your preconceived mindset upon the need. I think, I think one of the problems with uh, uh, believers is we don't. Calvary is not real to us the way it should be. I'm a uh, third-generation believer. My grandparents were, were, were trusted Christ as their Savior. On my dad's side and uh, and my parents uh, saved, trusted the Lord, raised me in a Christian home. I'm saved. I look back, I don't have all of those problems that you listen to somebody and they got a great testimony. No, they they were in drugs, they were in this, they were in the other thing. That's not such a great testimony. It's great that the Lord delivered them from that. I think especially for believers that are generational believers the world looks so appetizing and calvary doesn't look so real but calvary needs to be real in your heart if you're going to have some compassion there's an old hymn called, the title is make calvary real that first verse there it says my heart feels so calloused when i think of him my heart was so broken when he saved me from sin I wonder if my heart is as cold as can be. O Spirit, make the Savior of Calvary real to me. Make Calvary real, make Calvary real. If I live to be a hundred and become so blind I cannot see. I'll always want the Savior of Calvary real to me. To be full of compassion and see that need and act upon that need, leverage upon that need, to live where that need is because it was given to me. I I put out that compassion. And to not have the wrong mindset to be trusting God and moving forward and putting the past behind me and reaching forward for the cross of Jesus Christ. Calvary's got to be real. It's got to be real for you, believer. I need to be full of compassion. We need to be full of compassion and directed by God's Spirit. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to come before you in your word. I ask, Lord, you'd help us. We are consumed upon ourselves most of the time, sometimes living in regrets, and we need to forgive as you have forgiven and press forward. Help us to press forward. Help us to, to, to see Calvary. Help it to be real. Help us to see the need of people that they are, are going to eternity without Christ. They're going to hell. Help us to see that Calvary needs to be real. Help us to have the compassion, Lord, that you had when you came to die on Calvary's cross for us. I ask, Lord, that you dismiss us with your blessing. Again, we we thank you for the privilege of presenting your word at Grace Baptist Church. We ask that you bless them. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.